some late night upstream with Jim and John. Uh, it is just John today. My dad, Jim, is uh, visiting Arizona again. Uh, but I've got some uh, coffee, got some jazz music going, and it's going to be a chill John Thoughts, the third ever John Thoughts. Uh, my dad is visiting my brother, Tim, again, uh, last time for bad reasons, this time for good reasons. Uh, Tim is out of the hospital feeling great, and now he has a newborn baby daughter who uh, is beautiful in all the photos I've seen of her. And so my parents have gone down to visit uh, the family, Tim, Brittany, and their daughter, Taylor. And, of course, I'm jealous. But, hey, someone's got someone's to record. You know, someone's got to keep, the, keep the, the boat going. And, uh, you know, you know that's me. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, just me tonight. Um, I figured, I don't think I've actually told a story in other John Thoughts or a joke or anything. I have this story that... Uh, I may have told before and you know, we're on it. We're in the nineties and episodes now. I'm not going to go back and listen to every story time. I don't know if that, what that tells you about my work ethic, but I just, I just can't. So, uh, I'm going to tell it here in case I had told it before. So I don't waste the story time elsewhere. Uh, I got an award. I didn't do, if you've listened before, you know, I wasn't the best student. I didn't get a whole lot of, uh, accolades as a student. I didn't get a whole lot of, um, well, I didn't earn a whole lot of praise. Like I shouldn't, I'm not the victim here, you know? I didn't uh, put in the work, so I didn't get the the awards. It's fine. I'm not bitter. Anyway, I got this one award. When I graduated high school, there was this... I I wish I should have wrote down the wording. Basically, they chose two students in the graduating class that were something akin to student leaders in the classroom. So, obviously, I didn't hold any leadership positions, um, but... And and this was the weird thing. So I don't know the wording because I didn't get a plaque. I didn't get a trophy. I didn't get anything. They just said, they didn't tell me what was happening beforehand it, it, in the rehearsal. So I'm in the rehearsals for graduation at the end of my senior year. And they say, you know, this award, something, something about, you know, being conducive to classroom learning. Uh, and these two students come up and it was me and a, another, a, a great, great, um, young woman who I knew, uh, now I can't remember her name. That's got to say something not about her, about me, but she, I had a few classes with her. Actually, she was really nice. Uh, anyway, she got this award too. So we both go up there and we're awarded $100 cash in hand. I'm, I'm handed $100 and return to my seat. And then in the actual ceremony, they say the award again. And me and, uh, this other young woman stand up and get a, a round of applause and sit down again. Very, very strange. And, uh, I've always been liked by my teachers. That was never a problem. So my hunch is I took a statistics class my senior year and, uh, the first semester me and the teacher were, I, I was not his friend. And cause I was, you know, it was a math class and I wasn't really putting in the work and I was, and he didn't have respect for kids who didn't put in the work. He was kind of, uh, upfront about that, which is fine. You know, uh, again, not hurting my feelings then. And that was all kind of more standard statistics, math course kind of stuff. The second semester uh, was all a book study of Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. And uh, I was on fire for this. I was like, I had never read it before, but I started it and it was like, this was, you know, this book is bangers only. This is like John's kind of book. If you want to know, I'll say it again. It is Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. The book is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Easy recommend. Easy, easy. 
it was, it's amazing. Um, it's based, it's a statistic book about success and, um, success stories and the kind of like, it's kind of breaking apart the fairy tale of like the guy who just like the Bill Gates, who's just like, Oh, he must've just been a machine who, you know, if Bill Gates was born in any era of humankind, he would have become something amazing. And it kind of talks about the statistics that lead to success. Anyway, uh, when that we started doing that statistics class, excuse me, uh, I was, you know, I was a superstar. I was leading class discussions. I had great questions. I was turning in all my homework. I passed that class with a B. And at the end of the first semester, I had like a bad grade. I don't even remember, probably like a D or something. So anyway, then me and this guy whose name was Suderman, I believe, Zach Suderman, if he's still at Tumwater and you have kids there, or if you go to Tumwater and you listen to this, tell him he rules. That guy's awesome. I think was his name. I actually don't remember a lot of my high school teachers' names, which again, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and so me and him were like buddies by the end. I think he wanted to give me this award. And, um, and I had attended my sister's high school graduation from Tumwater, you know, two or three years before. And I don't remember this award being there. So I even thought maybe he like they, he wanted to give me an award because he liked me, but I didn't actually earn anything that might be just hubris on my part. I doubt they created the award for me, but anyway, that's my story of my, one of my only academic awards. And it was more for just being, um, I don't know, nice. I don't know what that award was for. I ended up using that $100 to buy a helmet for my big head, which has been uh, the topic of much discussion between me and my dad. I got a ruckus for my 18th birthday, a little Honda 49cc scooter, and uh, I could wear my dad's helmet, but it was it was like, you know, if you've ever seen those square watermelons, they grow watermelons in boxes, so they grow square. If I wore that thing too long, my head would be like misshapen or something, I swear. So we went and spent 100 bucks on a, a, a big old big old helmet down from uh, the specialty shop in Centralia. So there you go. Um, That's my story. And if you've heard it twice now, uh, I'm so sorry, but, but hopefully you can understand today. I wanted to talk about uh, freedom or, or what you, what is expected of you as a Christ follower in life? Uh, You know, culturally, when you're when you're graduating high school, maybe that's what I think I thought of the story. But when you're graduating high school, the excitement is so palpable. And I was really I consider myself very grateful to have a community that I felt was so excited for my future. It was kind of an electric time, and um, you know, graduation party comes around, and everyone that I know and love is there. All these adults that I've known from the church that alone is a blessing of mine to be raised there. And everyone's just excited for you. It very genuinely. It was very, very heartfelt. And all, all your friends are hanging out. It's a really fun time. Summer's coming. Uh, graduation money as a gift. I mean, it wasn't all monetary, of course. I mentioned first, first was the was the feeling of excitement. Then I talked about the money. Just you know, uh, which I used to buy a video game console or something. Not all of it. It was like it was like a, I'm, I'm getting into the weeds. Anyway, very exciting time. You know, the idea of possibilities of the future. What are you gonna do? What do you? What can you do? And, uh, and I feel like culturally Christianity doesn't have that a lot. And we worship and follow as disciples, the guy who came to make us free, freer than anybody ever has been on the planet. Anybody who has not known Jesus has smelled the sweet aroma of Christ. We should be freer than all of them. And the cultural identity of Christianity is stifling sometimes. 
And that's not always fair. You know, misrepresentation in media, you could say, is to do with that a bit. But it's hard to blame him uh, when you look at, like, you know, the 50s kind of Christianity. Like, we don't go to movies. We don't dance. You know, kind of stuff like that. So, uh, so I think about what is, what do we do? I've talked about my theological dilemmas on the show before. One of them is what do we do as Christ followers? What is the actions we take? If you think of your job, right? Someone says, what do you do at work? You know, you have like a title, you're, you know, co-regional director of Southwest metric analysis. I don't know. That was out of my ear. Uh, but someone says, yeah, but what do you do? Like, like day to day, what do you do? I wonder that for Christ followers. And I think one of the reasons why it's tricky is because we have so much freedom. And, you know, um, my dad talks about it a lot when, uh, the prophet talks to Saul when Saul's going to be made King, uh, back in, you know, when Israel's first becoming a nation or first, first getting a King. And, you know, the, the Lord says through the prophet to, to Saul, you know, now do whatever your hand finds do it to all your might because I'll be with you. It's not a, you know, it's not, it's like uh, another one my dad loves. Is your life a blueprint or is it a, well, well now I've messed that up. I can't remember the other thing, but basically is it like you have very specific directions you have to follow to the T or do you have some saying things? Uh, but the problem here is when you look at, I think a lot of it is other, is other people. There's a lot of pressure. A lot of people interpret things very different. I was reading this, um, it was, I think, some kind of post. Not really an article. It was a little more freeform than that. But uh, this guy was talking about how the fruit. So Jesus talks about, you know, the fruit uh, uh, succeeding as a Christ follower is depending on the vine, uh, which is Jesus, and uh, and bearing fruit through the vine. Apart from the vine, the the branch can do nothing. It is it's worthless. So the branch relies on the vine and bears fruit. And so that is a very synthesized, very, uh, not synthesized, very distilled um, thing of what do I do as a Christian? Well, you bear fruit. That's succeeding. That's winning as a Christ follower is bearing fruit. So then it's, well, what is fruit? What is the fruit that you bear? And uh, so this guy was saying that the fruit you bear is disciple making was the word he used. And, um, you know, because uh, Jesus says, you know, go forth and, and make disciples and basically, I think most of the end of the Gospels, but here in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus is uh, going to depart from his disciples and, and, and descend. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is um, uh, Matthew, uh, excuse me, not 25, uh, 28, Matthew 28, 18. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. Sometimes he, he's talking to his disciples there, but, but clearly he's talking to anyone who would be his disciple at, in at throughout all time, whoever's reading this passage and trying to follow Jesus. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. So this guy was saying, you know, that is the fruit. That is the metric by which you are winning as a Christ follower, I use the word winning because it's again, one my dad uses, uh, he's, you know, whenever he gets to a job, he says, I want to win there. So I find out how they win. I find out how they keep score. And then I try to win. And because he's competitive and hard worker and, and, um, you know, he's great like that. So, uh, that's the kind of the language I feel like I've inherited. So how do I win? How do I, how does it, and the keep score has more baggage when you look at it with your relationship with Christ. That's a little different. Uh, anyway, 
this guy was saying you you win by doing what he says here. This is uh, bearing fruit is actually discipling other people, sharing the gospel. But further than that, you know, teaching them, pouring into them, you know, all this stuff. Great stuff. It's not that that's not true. But I was like, it felt so much more, um, maybe talking about scorekeeping, it felt so much more like you're actually keeping score, you know, like, uh, oh, how many, uh, how many disciples have you made? It's like, well, that's a lot of fruit, man. God's got to be really pleased. I bet you he's really, really excited for you. He's really patting you on the back because you got so many disciples. It feels too, ah, too, like, I'm not sure. So, you know, the obvious other, the obvious counterpoint when we're talking about bearing fruit, not even a counterpoint, this is not at all opposed to the idea of making disciples as your oddness. When you're talking about bearing fruit, the obvious um, thing you go to is Galatians 5. So Galatians 5, um, 22, starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I have it here. It's not an issue of me finding it. It's an issue of me reading it because my glasses, I need new glasses. Anyway, uh, um, in Galatians, he's talking about before this, he says what, what the flesh produces, the flesh produces these things. They're all bad. I don't need to recount those to you, but he says the fruit of the spirit, the flesh versus the spirit is kind of theme of this passage or this chapter or the book, (laughs) basically anything that, that Paul wrote. But, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So, the, clearly, the fruit of the Spirit, the same exact language. Uh, I haven't done an exegesis on this, but I bet you that the same wording in Greek. Um, so that's that's obvious. So then it's bearing fruit is actually lifestyle change or, or person personality change or um, change in how you interact with people. And that, to me... Because you don't keep score on, well, how much forbearance have you had? <laughs> or even then, even then, it's not so much keeping score with yourself, it's with others. So in that, you can look at yourself and you can say, you know, I'm bearing fruit in my own life. I can see that, and, you know, that bears witness with my soul that the, Jesus is bearing fruit through me because I'm, de- I'm relying on him. I'm depending on the vine. The other one is so much quantifiable. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Disciple making and, and um, evangelism as as keeping fruit is so quantifiable how many that's the question how many and you know the argument if you're i'm not trying to do disservice to this other argument so you could say it's not about how many it's about that you're trying and you're and you're really you know you're trying to make these disciples you're really working on it for god um but you can't quantify love joy peace patience forbearance on and on um you just know you you know because you know yourself and you know um Generally, you know yourself, not as much as most people think they do, I would, I would guess. But anyway, so this I was reading that, and that's why it was. It felt like you have a box. One of those options to me is in a box, and the other isn't. And again, it's not to say you shouldn't try to make disciples. Like God is, or Jesus himself is commanding us to do that in that passage. But that is not what I think bearing fruit is, particularly, necessarily. I think bearing fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Anyway, all this to talk about freedom. What can I do in my life. If you were to say that I have to make disciples, if you're trying to be efficient about it, there are some ways to do that better than other ways. You could say that the only way to do that, uh, you know, to the utmost is to be in professional ministry. And I would never say at all, 
none of the New Testament writings would say at all that anybody should be, um, that everybody, excuse me, should feel like they are prescribed ministry. You know, my, again, my dad jokes, you know, people, I would ask him this question, is everyone supposed to go into ministry? And he would say, uh, he would say, oh, so you think you're good enough to go pro or something like that? Basically, I feel like I'm getting pretty good at this Christian thing. I feel like I should go pro. That was a joke. So, uh, no, that's not at all the case. Um, but, uh, you know, the how you know, Paul uses that language that I used, testify your, your, um, your spirit testifies that you are Christ's, I think, uh, largely through the fruit of the spirit. Because if you don't have those, clearly something's kind of up. Um, there's another, you know, we talk about, uh, the Paul, Pauline debate on, you know, weak faith, strong faith. So, uh, one person does not eat meat sacrificed to idols. He uses this analogy and one person, uh, eats anything and they both do it, uh, unto God. And so, uh, he uses the language there, weak faith, strong faith. But the, to me with the importance there is actually, uh, that neither of those things is wrong. Neither of those people are wrong for doing those things. They both are doing these actions unto God as worship unto God. And what's important of that passage, the what he is saying that for is to tell people, hey, um, quit fighting each other over things like this because you're both worshiping God with these things. And to the person with the strong faith, in this example, the strong faith of, of eating whatever you want because you know that... that um, you have the faith for it in God. Um, that if the weaker faith person has issues with that, uh, then you should stop for the sake of the you know unity of the brotherhood. So he's actually he's uh, I don't know the word you're looking for. He's you know whatever he's encouraging or or inviting the people of strong faith to sacrifice that and not let their pride get in the way, so that they can you know have a better fellowship. So. You know, you start, I heard people talking about this. Actually, a good example I brought up earlier of the theaters thing and the dancing thing. I brought that up negatively. I think negative of that. I think poorly of that. I think it turned people away. I think it was hard to raise your kids that way. Um, but I think there's an argument to be made that you do that unto God. You you stay away from certain temptations or or you do certain things or, or rather you don't do certain things that aren't inherently sinful. That you could do those things unto God as well. Um, but you have the freedom to not do them unto God. We talked about the dilemmas of being a monk in our episode about Brother Lawrence and and seclusion. And, you know, that's not going forth and making disciples. Brother Lawrence was a, a dishwasher and a cobbler in a, in a monastery in the woods. Was he going forth and making disciples? No. Was he bearing fruit in his life? Absolutely. You know, that's really what I'm talking about. He, You have the freedom in this kind of realm of what you want to do uh, and you can do these things unto God. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to talk about. Um, and as always, it's kind of a little bit aimless. Um, but I hope that's helpful to somebody that you aren't in a box. Um, you don't need to constantly be thinking, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I think God gave us gifts and, and desires and passions. But I also think part of the whole um, go out and get your dream thing is is can can be, you know, self-serving. And one of the things about the strong weak faith, the big thing, as I said, is not to judge, is not to force on people. And that's that's when the no movies, no dancing thing gets gets damaging and gets hurtful. Is when you look at people who do and you say you 
um, are sinning or you do it out of fear. You say, I'm not going to do these things because I can't control myself. I can't, you know, I'm losing it. But basically there are a lot of ways to live your life unto God. And I think that's, there's a lot of freedom there. And because we have this living God, right? The biggest thing, the biggest thing about our, uh, our religion, our faith is our living God and our active relationship with our living God. That is so big. Even other, uh, um, you know, Abrahamic religions, Judaism and and Islam don't really have this the way that we do, uh, or they don't believe they do. So I think that's huge. And so you can, you can rely on that and to seek out your own, you know, why am I here? Yes. The broad answer is to bear fruit or to make disciples, but you know, there are many ways to skin a cat as the saying goes. And if you're anything like my sister or any other cat lover, you didn't like that, but, uh, but there it is. What am I going to do? I'm not going to edit it out. There it is. Thank you for making it to the end of another John thoughts. Um, I said last time that I would pay you money if you finished this, but then someone actually, uh, you know, people actually listen to it and, uh, I'm not willing to shell out. So I'm not a man of my word, I guess. Uh, but thank you either way for making it this far. Uh, I won't make you listen to a commercial. It's only been a 20 something minute episode. That's not right. So, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash Jim and John or, uh, Jim and or Instagram at Jim and John or, uh, well, I guess that's it. You can email us at info at Jim and If you wanted a, uh, you know, if you wanted to know what's normally like this, just search. I mean, you've already, you're already here, but search upstream, uh, with Jim and John on any podcast provider. Normally it's me here with my dad and we talk about, we have father and son conversations uh, about, you know, discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. That's my normal spiel. I don't remember if I gave that at the top of this episode or not. It's been a weird one. But, uh, yeah, last time I had a John Thoughts, I talked about it, uh, Ecclesiastes, and holy moly, what a downer of an episode. That's why <laughs> that's why I offered to pay people. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, Jesus came to set people free in more ways than this, in more ways than how do I live my life. I, that, you know, the freedom of Jesus is bigger even than that, which, uh, you know, is huge. But um, I don't know. I think the end of the message of Ecclesiastes that I was trying to get at was not everything's that big a deal, you know? That that life is just uh, the meaninglessness of certain aspects of life is actually can can set you free from from some from some stuff. Excuse me, and uh, and here this is freedom from a much more positive angle, <laughs> and both are true. You know the squabbles of a of a short lived existence aren't always they're not worth certain pains uh, or the weight you might put on them. But here this is the same freedom from the you know the bread of life, the the living water of Jesus of you know, of what the whole world is about. Um, yeah, I hope this is worth something to you. I, I enjoyed the, making this one a little more than the Ecclesiastes one, I'll say. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening very much. We will see you next week with a much more traditional episode of Upstream with Jim, with Jim and John. And uh, I hope you'll listen in. Thanks. Thanks.